it isn't my little angel. My little sweet baby angel. Oh, thank you. You know, it, that oddly enough, that reminds me uh, uh, of something I could... A lot of times I could ask this, like, in bars and taverns and stuff. And it's probably good to just put it out there. Uh, the answer is yes. It, it did hurt when I fell from heaven. You don't think it would, uh, but there, there, there's not a lot of chance to, to uh, drop and roll when, when you're also trying to protect <laughs> sure, your halo. Sure. No, no parachuting class is going to teach you how to fall out of heaven. That's sure. Yeah. That's, that's not going to do it. Well, Brad, I have to ask you this, though. Now, uh, did, was your father also a thief, Brad? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, well, listen, uh, we don't like to talk about it a whole lot, but he did do five to ten in San Quentin uh, for stealing those uh, those sparkles, uh, sparkly jewels that are in my eyes. He, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he got, you know, the problem was he got a bad lawyer. And, uh, and and really, I think it was a little bit of a frame job. It was, uh, it was bad. <laughs> Can you imagine being at a bar like, oh, no, my dad, yeah, he did time, but it was a frame job. He didn't do the, listen, they, those cops threw him under the bus. They planted those, those jewels in my eyes. That was, uh... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it was too bad. He, uh, he went up the river for that one. He was a. You just get all sad in a bar as someone's hitting on you. You're like, yeah, he was a good. He was a good man. He was a good man. There was an unjust act done to him. I tell you. Anyway. Anyway, thank you for noticing the gems in my eyes. Uh, sorry about that. I guess it was kind of worth it. <laughs> anyway, really good talking to you. I gotta go. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, on that note, I'm gonna say hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Lab, the show about making comics. And making a living from comics. I'm Brad Geiger, editor of webcomics.com and cartoonist of Evil Inc. And I'm his friend Dave Kellett, cartoonist of Drive and Sheldon and co-director of Stripped. And this week's Hour of Comics Advice is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So Dave, Dave! Let's talk comics. Let's talk comics, my friend. And since you mentioned uh, Patreon, I'm going to uh, throw something out that uh, I didn't even consult with Brad. I'm going to I'm going to just do this. Oh, uh, oh here's, you're just, here's you're an just idea doing I've had. Something? I'm just I'm just doing something, Brad. You're, you know what? If your father something? can steal, if your dad can steal <laughs> gems and put them in your eyes, then I'm going to do something. We've uh, got 70 shows in the can. Today, you're going to do something. <laughs> so, for you, gentle listener, as a as a wonderful incentive to get you to join us on Patreon, because Patreon is really what makes it possible for us to pay a professional editor to edit the show. Uh, on May 20th, for anybody that's signed up at the $5 level on Patreon, new or old, new or old, at $5 level or up, I'm going to give them a, a, a free... Uh, ebook of my Eisner-nominated book, Literature, uh, on the old Patreon system. So uh, wow. if you've been on the fence about joining us, join us for May 20th. Try it out for a month, because not only will you get, what is it, like 20, 22 extra hours of podcasts now that we have, Brad, called Pro Tips. Yeah. Uh, you'll also be able to get to submit questions to the show. You'll get the shows earlier, uh, like a week earlier than anybody else. So join us on May 20th and get a, a free copy of my Eisner-nominated book, Literature. Uh, it's one of the funniest books I've ever written, uh, and I think you will enjoy it. Brad, that's my offer. That's my standing wow. offer at the start of the show here. That's really cool. So everybody that signed up, it, like for it, for example, if I'm already a backer, I know I'm going to get this thing as long as I stay a backer. And if I'm a new backer at the $5 level or higher, this is an added bonus that I'm going to get as a thank you for signing up. 
Yes, you've got it, Bradley. Because you know why? Wow. I was thinking about this the other day. We get a lot of emails, and it, I get the yeah. very clear indication that there are way more readers than there are Patreon supporters or way more <laughs> listeners. And I know you. I know you listening because I am that person a lot of times. And uh, yeah. so I want you to. I want you to join us on Patreon because it's a. It's a. It's a great way to support the show, and actually, you get a lot of value out of it. So to entice people to try it at the five dollar level, I'm giving away my lit book on May twentieth. So join us. Patreon.com slash Comic Lab, May 20th. That's all I want to say. Now, Brad, let's talk comics. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I've got a question. You want to take a $5 question from a Patreon backer? Let's do it, my friend. Let's dive right in. All right. This uh, this uh, question asker asks, uh, ah. uh, it, <laughs> uh, they say, Dave, are you a beaver? Because, damn. What? No, that's that was just another pickup. That was just another pickup line joke. Listen, can I thought I, I tell I could, you? I could squeeze shitty, one more joke out of it. <laughs> this is how shitty pickup lines are. I have never heard that one before, but I knew exactly where that was going. You didn't even need to finish it. I thought I could squeeze one more pickup line joke out of it. Uh, I think I was sadly mistaken. <laughs> no, that's fine, Brad. Uh, oh. uh, the, that's amazing. That oh yeah. god. Isn't that great? Cuz yeah. and you got to do a little pause there. It's so good that we're both married cuz I think if we had to date, uh we would never ever uh, get as lucky as we both got the first time around. <laughs> if we had to date now, we'd be just lost. If I had to date now, do you know what the scene would be? It would be me floating in an in an ocean by myself going, Wilson! 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 That's what I would be so bad at dating. So bad. I'm in a, not even a question I would be bad at dating. I would be the worst at dating. Oh. I mean, I can't even imagine being cheesy enough to use a pickup line like, I'd move around the uh, alphabet to put you and I together. <laughs> like, I, how does that, how does any of that work? I don't, I'm confused and scared. I don't know how to date. <laughs> yeah. And basically you just finish off every line with, okay, I'll see myself out. <laughs> and, and I've been Dave Kellett. Have a good night. All right. You just put, you just put on a hat and walk yourself out. All right. Well, you do that little frog dance from Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. <laughs> you suddenly produce a cane and a top hat. You're the frog. Oh, God. Uh, well, listen, before before I derail this, I do have to read this. This comes from our friend Stephen Barry. And and he actually did write this. It's kind of funny. Here's how he wrote it. He goes, hi, Brad and Dave. Dave, <laughs> would you guys, <laughs> isn't that great? Would you guys share how you developed your style? What did you do intentionally and what came more casually? It's illuminating to, to hear how you two have navigated your careers and development. Thanks. So, Dave, I, I ask you, how did you develop your style? Because you do have a very distinct style. How did you develop that? Well, uh, let me ask you insecurely, because I'm actually not sure about this. Do you feel like I have a style? <laughs> yes. Listen, I'm, you've I'm, got not a style. Being, I'm not being facetious. I'm genuinely asking. Nah, you've got a style because as soon as I see one of your drawings, I, I, I know exactly who did that drawing. Your style is very distinct. It's very recognizable. It's not going to be confused with somebody else's style. Uh, and that's and and as a side note, I think that's something we're kind of losing a little bit in today's comics. 
there's a lot of them that look exactly the same. It's it's gotten homogenized. Yeah, I do I do feel like that's true. May I I know that makes me sound like an old man sitting on my porch, but I do feel like mm-hmm. a lot of them look the same. Yeah. Um, the reason why I ask about the style is that I a little bit feel like how it's the way that your nose doesn't process your own scent. You know how your brain and your nose uh-huh. work together to be like, nope, everything's fine. I don't smell anything. And people around you are like, good God, I've got to sit next to this guy for a four hour flight. Oh, geez. Uh, I, I, so noticing your own style is uh, is interesting. That's why I, I, I genuinely was like, no, I guess I do have a style. Anyway, okay, so insecurities aside, how did I get started drawing? Well, like everybody else, I think the best way to start drawing is uh, when I was in grade school, I would literally just draw Garfield. I would just draw mm-hmm. Bloom County. I would just draw Farside. Uh, you draw what you see, and there is no shame in that. I mean, a lot of modern art... Um, creates kind of a, a shame in copying, but that is literally yeah. how every artist of any point in any point in history has started. Um, they, they, they copy and they trace and they, they try to mimic what they see because that process uh, teaches you how to move your hand, how to, how to do hand-eye coordination and how to represent the world with uh, line art or with brushwork or with sculpting. So there's nothing wrong with copying. So anyway, long story short, my first 10 years were probably me heavily mimicking uh, the four or five dominant comics that I read growing up. That's that's the mm-hmm. honest to God truth. And mm-hmm. then what tends to happen is somewhere around, uh, you know, five, 10 years in, you start to experiment in a way, like your hand and your eye and your creativity go, well, instead of doing the rote way of drawing this, uh, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to change this up a little bit. I'll change the nose. I'll change the eye. I'll change the ear. And you'll find that... Um, your hand starts to have happy accidents. And then you go, you know what? Yes. I actually like the happy accident better. And then you start to train for and look for happy accidents and mm-hmm. intentionally try to make mistakes. You, you intentionally try to mess things up a little bit in, in this sense, in that you're trying to do a line you've never done before and you know it's going to ruin this drawing, mm-hmm. but it will at least get you to the next drawing where you can do that kind of line. Um, yeah. So Brad, now you go for a second. How did you get started? And then we'll talk about how oh. we intentionally developed a style. Everything you said, in fact, as, as, as excited as I was to hear what you had to say, because it, it rang so true for me, I was getting more and more disappointed because you literally took every thought that I was going to share and, and, and said it before I could say it. Everything that you said, Dave, is exactly how I've experienced it. I, I started out, uh, for me, it was Bloom County and Doonesbury. And I was trying to do that kind of art specifically. Oh, uh, wow. That's uh, so funny County. because if I look at your early, early, early stuff, I see a lot of Doonesbury influence. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, especially like the noses uh, and the eyes yeah. and the, and that really harsh uh, profile. And the line quality. Yeah. Yeah. I was enamored with all of that stuff. And, and what happens, I, 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 I'm, I'm finding it hard to add because you did a really thorough job, but what happens is you go from being unsure of yourself to being sure of yourself. And once you get that confidence, then great things start to happen. And that only comes with uh, the, the, uh, uh, the ubiquitous 10,000 drawings, you know, right, they always right. say you got to get 10,000 drawings out. What happened for me is I, I was so unsure of myself and my ability to draw what I and make the image look graceful and uh, make it look true and make it look like it existed in space. And once that started happening, and I and I wasn't 
just absolutely toiling over making uh, a, a very simple representation of an image. Once that happened, then I started uh, exploring a little bit. And I started saying, okay, okay, noses don't have to be like I'm drawing them. They don't, in fact, right. a lot of times what happened right. was I found out, especially with noses, the less you draw, the more realistic it, it can look. Like sometimes I was just overdrawing the nose like crazy, every nostril, every curve, you know, and, and, and because I, I had a lot of trouble with noses and what happened is I, I, I was like, okay, just relax a little bit. You, you can make an image. You, you know, you're going to make this image, uh, settle down a little bit and just, it just, uh, uh, let it come naturally. And once I had the confidence to actually do that, my drawing took a huge step forward. Once I gained the confidence that I knew I was going to make an image, you know, before I would sit down, I wasn't really sure whether a usable image would come out when I started drawing. Now, when I sit down to draw, uh, I, I know an image is going to come out. And so then you can relax a little bit. And then, like you said, those happy accidents happen and you see that and you're like, oh, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> you know, that was great. And then you, you, you start to build uh, uh, a, a bag of tricks that you can use in different postures in different uh, situations. Uh, but, but listen, listen to what both Dave and I said. At no time did we try to make our style look a certain way after we started copying people that we respected. Right. In other words, a style, I can't make, I couldn't have made my style go in a direction. I, I, you can't control it. A style is what happens after you've done 10,000 drawings and made 10,000 mistakes and 10,000 recoveries and, and found a few hundred uh, shorthands and bags of trick uh, type items. A style isn't something that you create. A style is something that happens. Uh, I, I don't know how better to put it. It's not something that I saw in my front uh, windshield. It, right. A style is something I saw in my rear view mirror. Oh, oh, look at that. That took me a minute to click <laughs> in on that, but I like that. Oh, yeah, Brad style... Geiger gets the golf clap over here. <laughs> a style isn't something that you see going forward. It's something that you realize happened. Right. You can only see it in, 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 as you look back and, yeah. and see the steps you took along the way to get to where. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. Um, so, well, let me, let, me, uh, let me jump back into my middle part of developing a style because I think this is helpful, mm -hmm. too. Um, so one uh, metaphor that my wife and I use a lot for a lot of different aspects of our career is um, mountain climbing. And mm -hmm. the, re the reason here's how I want to use it in context of developing a style. So one of the things you do when you're climbing up a cliff is you peg in, you take the hammer and you go tink, 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 tink. Hey, yep. That way, if you fall, you know, you at least fall to that peg. You don't fall all the way to your death. Right. Mm -hmm. And developing a style is a little bit like pegging in where you go. All right. I know how to draw my characters. I know how to draw the basic backgrounds. God, I still don't know how to draw trees. So over the next six to 12 months, I'm going to experiment a little bit. I'm going to try to do just trees better. 
And then so you've 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 nailed into the, the cliff wall and you start scrambling up a little bit. And are you going to fall a couple times? Absolutely. But, you know, you at least got the characters down, you know, at least you got the formatting down. And so you keep trying to scramble up. And then once you get trees down, then you nail it again. Ting, 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 ting. And then you go, now I'm going to work <laughs> on houses. I got to make a house yeah. look good in my style. And then you keep scrambling up, you fall again, scramble up. And then eventually, ting, 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 you nail in there. And then mm-hmm. at the very end of our journey, when we're all 85 or 90, we go, I'm finally ready to try horses and bicycles. And then, <laughs> and, then and that's the final stage of any cartoonist's life yeah. is a horse and a bicycle. And, by, yeah. and, and anyone who tells you they can do it right now, they're lying. No matter what stage they're in in their career, they're lying. Only when you're 85, 90 and you're like, I'm ready to try now. And someone passes you a pen and then you eventually do a horse right. And then you can then you can pass on. It's how- it's it's uh it's a little known fact that on every artist's drawing board their last illustration was a horse on a bicycle and then it was just <laughs> boom they <they've, laughs> oh god they, grandpa was ready to finality. go Brad. he was ready to go he finally drew the horse on the bicycle he he died happy <laughs> <laughs> he died with a smile what would be terrible would be to marry you're married to that cartoonist and you walk in and you see them drawing the horse on the bicycle you're like no Jim! Gerald, no! <laughs> That's like that one script that went around Hollywood that was supposedly cursed, and everybody that took it uh, uh, died shortly thereafter. What? Did you know what? about this what one? What is this? Oh, gosh. I think it's linked to, to the deaths, supposedly, of like John Belushi and John Candy and a bunch of these actors that were kind of the same type Okay, uh, had had accepted this script. And then shortly thereafter died. And the script has never been produced uh, because after a little while, it's like, okay, nobody wants to touch it anymore. But that's 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 the first thing that came to mind for that. Wow. Well, then the uh, by the way, I've never heard that story. Thank you for telling me that. That's that sounds terrifying. (laughs) I I thought you were going to be like, and that movie was the the Super Mario Brothers movie that they made. And it was terrible. And everyone's careers died. Uh, Anyway, uh, so the other thing I wanted to say about developing a style in the midpoint of my career, one thing that I noticed, and this was something that actively was a conscious decision was that mm-hmm. I realized, um, so I started cartooning in third grade, and this was probably 2005, 2007 that I realized this. So for about 25 years, I had been cartooning, trying to create the perfect line. Uh, and maybe Brad yeah. knows what I mean by this, but I wanted my line mm-hmm. to be so clean and so perfect and so reductive as to perfectly represent the shape that I was trying to draw, right? And Mm -hmm. then somewhere around that point, around 2005, 2007, I read an interview with Pat Oliphant. Brad, do you know who Pat Oliphant is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So editorial cartoonist, Pulitzer Prize winning editorial cartoonist that worked, uh, I think he was Australian and moved to the U.S. I think that's his history. Just he, he could draw his butt off. He was wonderful. He could. And what's amazing, though, about uh, I think he worked for the Denver Post. Anyway, what's amazing about Pat Oliphant is um, his early career, super crisp, clean lines, exactly the way I did it, like tried to capture perfect control. You could see the control in his pen as he was trying mm-hmm. to do it perfectly. But then somewhere along the line in this interview, he said he realized that he got he had lost all the energy in his drawing because his line was too clean. It was too perfect. So oh, it was really? a perfect representation, but there was no energy in it. There was no life in it. And so he intentionally started to get loose and and. uh uh, kind of crazy. And if you look at his later drawings, they got more scratcherly, you know? 
And yeah. um, kind of not Ralph Steadman cra- scratchily where you look like you've dropped acid, but the kind of scratchily <laughs> that that um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, oh yes. But but if you look at look at early Oliphant and late Oliphant, and you'll see what I mean. And so Sheldon, because uh, I was just drawing Sheldon at this point. Um, around that time, started to become much more alive, I think, in the, in the limited way that I can describe my art as alive, uh, mm-hmm. because I stopped trying to have every line end perfectly at the panel, and every yeah. panel was a perfectly straight line, and every line was controlled and perfect, and and it just started to become more fun, more as if you were doing a pencil sketch, but with ink, than it was when I was doing um, my final inks. Uh, and also contributing to that, I actually, when I was filming Stripped, I was watching Meredith Gran draw her panels. And mm. I don't know why this stuck with me, but she hand drew her panels and they came out intentionally imperfect. And right. I, for years, had created, Brad, honest to God, I would go in, in Photoshop and <laughs> clean up my panels <laughs> so that the corners <laughs> were perfect corners and that yep. so everything looked crisp. And then I realized that the panels themselves are part of the overall feeling and look and picture that you're creating. And so give them life too. And so now my Sheldon panels are imperfect if you look back over the last uh, five years or so. Mm-hmm. And I find, for me anyway, for my style, the, the final drawing has more energy, it has more life, and it has more oomph in it than it did 10 years ago because 10 years ago, I was trying to capture the perfect light and it had to be so clean and <laughs> nothing could be imperfect. And honest to God, Brad, I would be sitting with Whiteout, I would be sitting with Photoshop, and I would be like oh. going back over. And that's something I would never do now because now those right. little imperfect lines are, uh, they breathe life into it. Right. Um, All those little imperfections. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true with the Richard Thompson drawing. That's true with the Bill Watterson drawing. Those imperfections, if you look at them, they're like, oh, that's actually what makes that feel alive. So right. um, that, for me, was a key part of developing my style. So how about you, Brad? Midpoint of your career, you've been drawn now for 10, 20 years. What started to change how you did it? Because you made a very conscious choice, I remember, about eight years ago, 10 years ago, to start changing up your style. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, what happened was I started getting more confident and it, it was like, so I've always had two parts of me, a, a part that wanted to be like a Burke breathed style artist and, and take that as far as I could take it. And then the other part of me wanted to be John Buscema from Marvel comics, who I, st- who I still think is, is the highest pinnacle of comic book art. I don't think anyone can touch John Buscema with a 10 foot pole. He's, he's the one as far as I'm concerned. And I also wanted to be him. Well, my draftsmanship was never good enough to be that, but I, but I, I started to feel confident enough that I could start to bring in elements of that to, to get a little bit more realistic. And uh, for me, the thing that really was a turning point was going digital. When I went digital, I made I, I started to really learn how to ink. Ironically enough, when I was doing, really? oh yeah, because when I was doing, you know, I, when I was doing ink on paper, I was using Pigma Micron pens, partially because I preferred using markers uh, over like a dip pen, mm-hmm. uh, because of the convenience and the cleanliness and so on and so forth, and because it was archival ink, and. I, uh, 
I, 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 when I would try to make a variation in line with, what I would do was go back and forth and back and forth with the pigma micron. And, and I, I would double hit the line and I would make it weightier in some places. I was taking out, I, 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 in every, every pen stroke was two or three or four strokes right. of actual strokes. Right. And, uh, it gave me an approximation of the look that I wanted, but it, it was never quite it. And when I went digital and, and got a pressure-sensitive tablet and, and, and started to see that reaction of, of a true variation in line with, uh, without going back and forth over it and stuff like that, uh, my art took a, another huge jump, and I was able to... to uh, I, I was able to push my art further forward and go a little bit more realistic, go a little bit towards that comic book look and a little away from the comic strip look uh, because I, I was getting a line that I just really appealed to me. And, and the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it again. <laughs> you right, know, I like, right. and then I just, I, 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 that became a little bit of an obsession was pushing the art a little bit towards a more realistic look. And that also went uh, uh, much later on when I first started doing not safe for work stuff, that stuff is, is, is an anomaly in comics, in my opinion, because in almost all other comics, uh, the, the writing is the most important thing. And in very few uh, other type comics, including not safe for work, the art becomes really super important. The, the, be able, being able to draw well, being able to draw somewhat realistically, and being able to draw uh, complicated scenes becomes really, really important. Otherwise, it's meaningless. And uh, and that also was like, okay, if you're going to do this, you've got to kind of up your game a little bit. And then that was kind of the final push that brought me to where I am today. And I don't think I'm still there yet, but I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm looking back at the stuff that I did in 2000 and, and 2001. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> it's, it's been a long, long progress. And I'm, I'm, I'm as, I'm happier now with what I put on uh, into an image than I ever have been. And I think that just comes with practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I thank you for taking me through that. That's that's really helpful to hear. The the latter stage change to style that I try to incorporate now as a conscious choice because I think this is helpful for people too. I, mm -hmm. It's a good it's a good practice. Is every once in a while, and if you look through the Sheldon archives, you can see some of them. Uh, I intentionally try to draw a Sheldon in the style of a different, um, a completely different artist style from the past. So, oh yeah. Uh, so far I've done uh, George McManus and Bringing Up Father. I've done uh, Harriman and A Crazy Cat, and that one was really fun to try. Um, I've done the, um, the UPA animation style from the 1950s, which is just cuckoo bananas and fun to draw. Uh, uh -huh. and, and what each of these do is they not only like open up and free your style and it gives you a nice breath of fresh air to try something different, but every time, for me at least, every time that I have tried to draw a completely different style and lock myself into the rules that their style uh, uh, holds, 
um, I walk away with one new technique at least that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And that quietly gets folded into my repertoire of, 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 of talents and skills of what I can bring into a cartoon. I go, oh, I remember that one thing that I did in a UPA animation style. Or, oh, I remember how Harriman made that one look with Crazy Cat. Now I can work that into a Sheldon or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And so by by completely stepping out of your style every once in a while god is that helpful both both because it's fun it's a fun change but also mm -hmm. i guarantee you there will be one thing from that uh, uh attempt that you will now permanently roll into your style uh or at least in your repertoire of, of tricks that you have in your bag that you can pull out when needed brad have you ever tried that yeah. i've tried it a few times i i i see the value in it uh, my experience was uh, so uh, it was a lot different in that I found it very frustrating because I just could not pull off the look it, it, to a point that like every now and again, I've tried to do uh, a send up of like a silver age type drawing or, uh, you know, it's like another, uh, it's something that would very clearly look like uh, a comic that was made in 1960 or 1970. And man, I just, I, I fail miserably at it uh, to the extent that like I've even uh, got, gotten so far as taken like a Bruce Tim drawing and tried to, uh, tried to just traced it. Right. Just, okay, I'm going to make this look, I'm going to make this look the way uh, Bruce Tim would make it, would, would make it look with, I'll just make a couple of changes so that I take it from a Batman into a, a different type character and uh, just to, just to see if I could make that look happen, and I couldn't even trace it and make it right. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had such I, I've had a I, I can see the value in it. I I get it, uh, but uh, but I would be lying if I told you that my personal experience was any different than uh, being very very frustrating for me. I, and I don't know. I don't know why that is. It's good to know that that technique wouldn't work for everyone. So let me yeah. ask you this, Brad. Now in the latter stage, I don't want to say latter stages. In, in the latter stages, you're you're just a couple of months away from the horse on a bike, Brad. We know it, Brad. Now that you have your toe just gently dipped into the grave, uh, let me ask you a quick question about Brad. I don't know if you can hear me. Turn up the turn up the hearing aid, Brad. A quick question, Brad. Uh, yeah, no. hold on. Let me let me adjust, adjust my drool cup. <laughs> Brad, if you could shove aside all the envelopes from the AARP so I can ask you a quick question. Oh, uh, that one hurt. No, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> that was based in reality. A drool cup is very unreal, but the AARP is coming. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, that gets you 20% off at Ben and Jerry's. Get that AARP card. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's my here's my question for you. What what processes do you use now in this current stage of your career to advance your style or to expand your style or to solidify your style? What do you do now? I mean, obviously, more drawing is is the short answer, right? Like you're drawing every day. Yeah. But what what when you're like, I need to I really want to be able to draw X, Y, Z and I can't do it. How do you get there? Oh, well, so one thing that I've been doing more and more is like when I get a, a, a if I've drawn somebody, a certain character and it really looks good, I'll put that into a library in Clip Studio and I won't necessarily like reuse the drawing, but I'll, I'll make that my sketch layer later on so that I start from that place. And, and so I'm not like trying to relearn the wheel or reinvent the wheel. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm not as comfortable using that uh, like clip art, 
But I, I like the idea of once you get a, a position or a, or a stance or a gesture that just really worked, uh, then I'll, I'll keep that and bring that in at the sketch level and then make alterations to that because number one, it keeps your stuff looking very, very on character. You know, it keeps it on target that way. Right. Uh, and also, it, like I said, you're not kind of reinventing. <laughs> you're not trying to get there. It's like, okay, I got it. The only, the only danger there is that it, you can easily uh, allow yourself to stay too close to that original sketch. You got to le- allow yourself uh, the ability to really, really alter from that sketch. Otherwise, everything's going to look like close approximations of that one you know that one gesture and and that's not cool well you know what's funny um peeling away the layers of that really what you're doing brad is in the early stages of your career you were copying and tracing Doonesbury and bloom county Mm -hmm. and now in the latter stages of your career when you find a new moment of success you use that moment for tracing and copying yourself so that you can repeat that process and i think that's a totally fair stage yeah yeah, well, and, and it's really interesting. It, it comes full circle because do you remember way back in Web Comics Weekly, Scott was talking about drawing PvP and he had built these templates. And and they were almost like, I want to say not not finger puppets, but they were just little cutouts of his characters that he would position uh and behind his drawing board, and then he would trace those. Right. And that's and and if you remember, PvP was always very consistently drawn. Those characters stayed on model. That's the word I was looking for on model. Uh, the characters stayed on model. Oh, good job, they, Grandpa. They... <laughs> a half into the show, half hour in. Yeah, I, I knew it was there somewhere. Uh, but, <laughs> drawing. But characters... That's the word I was looking for. Drawing. Oh, that's what I do. Ink pen. I knew it was there somewhere. It's he was using an ink pen. What's I love the, the word object ink that's pen. square and flat and white? Paper. That's it. Anyway, let's keep talking. I use paper. <laughs> Why do we say ink pen and we don't say lead pencil? I mean, that's I always uh, am fascinated by people who say ink pen because it's Is not there a, another it's type a, of pen. It's not a lead pencil. That's for for one reason. It's uh, there's uh, isn't it carbon? Uh, graphite, graphite. Or graphite. All right, all right. Well, yeah. if we... All right, Mr. <laughs> 21. Mr. Silent. 21 volumes. So no, all right, fine. No. <laughs> anyway, you know, it, when I first heard Scott talking about that, I was always a little bit, ah, oh, really? He just, he's tracing? Because he, I, I, was, I, I was one of those kids that grew up being very look down your nose at tracing. And even though he was tracing his own stuff, I was always kind of like, ah, is that, that's really, that's what he's doing, huh? And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I was always in, in, in very wrongly. So a little bit dismissive of that. And the irony is now that I've, I, I've really started producing work that I'm proud of a big part of what I do is very similar to that. Like, again, I'll find a, I'll find something that works and then I'll use that as a jumping off point for the next illustration. Even if I change a whole bunch of it, it feels comfortable to start from that place that I know I'm, I'm in the zone. You know what I mean? And I've, I've come right around on that. It's that jumping off that's so key. Like you can't just, the stasis is, is and, the, and the pure tracing is what kills so many of, of those kind of attempts. Um, right. It's kind of like, um, Brad, are you familiar with the term kit bashing in, in like video game design? 
No, no. It's like where they they take a bunch of existing real world world objects and almost Photoshop paste them together to create either a scene or a mood just when they're developing the game, just to show you like a quick, here's what it could feel like kind of a thing, right? Right. But the point of the kit bashing is just to give you an idea and then you design away from it. And that's what Brad is right. saying. Like he has the drawing, the tracing layer underneath, but then he draws away from it. So it's it's there, it's yes. grounded, it's a jumping off point, but you're jumping away from it because if you're just constantly tracing, you definitely lose all the life and the and the and the uh, energy that, and the advancement that you will get from from tracing and or from drawing away from that uh, that modeled drawing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a constant, I, almost a constant constant temptation because in a lazy sense, it would be very easy to <laughs> to just trace that or to use that as clip art and stuff like that and and. Uh, you know, it, it, that's something that is going to have a long-term detriment if you let yourself uh, get lazy too often. You've got to you've got to put that down there on that sketch layer, and, and then, like Dave, that's a perfect phrase: draw away from it. Every chance you get, draw away. Draw, yeah, draw away. Um, and then, yeah. uh, you know, as you get better and better, you can you can trickle in um, tricks that are time savers. You know, for example. The, the Japanese manga system, they have to produce so much work every month that a lot of those yeah. like speed line paste-ins from the 70s and 80s that are now Photoshop clip-ins, um, those were developed for a reason. It, and it was to kind of speed along a drawing uh, so that you didn't have to reinvent the wheel, but you had a lot of life and action and motion in it, you know? And so yeah, those can, things like that can still be trickled in. Just don't let it dominate your work, you know? Absolutely. So listen, Dave, I've got good news for you. Yes, what is this you good know, news? If if I were to say what's what's a, what's somebody we haven't had on the show yet that you'd really love to have on the show uh, very soon, what would be like among the top people on that list? I would say, and you know, without a doubt, it's Gary Larson. So this is very exciting <laughs> that we have Gary Larson on the show. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, I got I got good news and I got bad news. Good news uh, is he's playing incredible <laughs> jazz up in Seattle and helping save sea life. Bad news is he's not on the show today. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But I've got the next best thing. Our good friend Chris Halbeck is with us, and he's going to come in and talk about some things. We wanted to have him on the show in the longest time. We're going to talk Instagram. We wanted to have We're, him on, yeah. Yes, yeah. We're going to talk about all kinds of great stuff, including Instagram, cartooning, single panel comics. And uh, so if you just hit that button right over on the side there, uh, you'll get this whole thing going. I'm hitting the button right now. Hey, if you're listening while you work, take a minute to stand and stretch. And while you're doing that, we'll tell you why you should join us on Patreon. Oh, when you do, you'll get hours and hours of podcasts that we've recorded just for backers. And exclusive Patreon posts that go even deeper on Comic Lab topics. And access to our exclusive Discord server, a thriving community of professional cartoonists. So you can support the show you love and get tons of actionable resources for your own cartooning. And listen, if you can't swing a pledge this month, no worries. You can still support the show by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five star and a few kind words. That, and along with mentions on social media, is incredibly helpful. Now, let's talk comics.
Hey, Dave, guess what? We've got uh, our friend Chris Halbeck over here, and we get to talk to him about all kinds of stuff. And uh, I just want to take a moment, introduce him to the audience. Uh, Chris Halbeck, you know him from Maximumble, uh, Pebble and Wren, and uh, a comic that he did back in the day called Book of Biff that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. You can check Chris's workout on Instagram. He's at Chris Halbeck. And that's C-H-R-I-S-H-A-L-L-B-E-C-K, Pebble and Wren, which has really been taken off. Uh, You can also check out at pebbleandwren.com. And Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. It is fantastic to have you on here because I think we've mentioned you three, four, five times perhaps on the show already yeah. as someone to look up to. Uh, you, are, you are the shining beacon on the hill uh, for both Brad and I on uh, on Instagram. And you've been very kind in sharing uh, what you know and what you've learned and sort of best practices, uh, not only with us, but with other cartoonists. It's always nice to hear back uh, that words trickled back that you've helped this or that cartoonist with their problems. So it is worth having you on a show that's stated goal is to make comics and make a living from comics. And now you get to share with the public all the wise wisdom that you got for us. Uh, and first of all, before we started on anything, where are you hailing from today? That's always fun for people to know. Um, I'm uh, in Southeast Michigan. Southeast Michigan. Brad, you know that land well. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's he's right. not not too far from my stomping grounds uh, up in the thumb, but uh, it, it's it's beautiful out there. I'm, I'm a big fan of that area. And uh, Southeast Michigan, this time of year, are you still in snow, or is it starting to to spring forward with all the all the squirrels are coming out and uh, gathering their nuts? Or hey, oh, hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the it's the fun time of year where it'll be uh, seventy degrees one day, and then you'll wake up to snow the next day. It's really oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And a lot of slush, right? Yes. Yes. A lot of Nothing slush. like going from like shorts weather to lake effect winter within 24 hours. That's, a, that's oh, always. I keep wanting to put all the kids gloves and boots and stuff away. And then I wake up the next day and go, nope, not going to happen. <laughs> so listen, Chris, you are knocking it out of the park on Instagram. And I, I'm going to ask the question that all of our listeners want to know. Number one, and that is. What give us some give us some ideas give us some tips when we're trying to do better on Instagram? What's maybe three ways that your garden variety web cartoonists can do better? Like mistakes that you see being made all the time, or just some general rules of thumb to improve our game? Well, there's a few ways that you get new um, readers on Instagram. One, one, one of the, the main ways is um, just uh, people in the comments tagging their friends. Mm-hmm. So they're, they mention, you, right, know, right. you know, it reminds, you know, hey, this is something we were just talking about. So they're like, you know, they would say at Janet, you know, hey, check this comic out. Another way is hashtags. That's uh, a very, uh, you know, famous way that people use Instagram. Um, so you want to use... Uh, you know, some generic hashtags of comics, web comics, comic strip, and then throw in, I like to throw in a few that relate to the actual uh, subject of the specific comic that day. You don't want to mm. overdo it. You don't want to put in a bunch of unrelated hashtags. Right. Um, I see some people make the mistake of just putting in, they try to just cram in lots of things that are really popular that don't really yeah. have anything to do with the comic. And 
Right, like I keep hashtagging my comics Kim Kardashian, and I, I'm not finding any traffic from that. I, I find that that's not working. That's actually how I discovered Dave's work. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and it, 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 it doesn't really work because, you know, the Kim Kardashian tag, for example, that's going to have, you know, whatever, 15 million posts a day using that tag. And so your comic is only going to be seen for a split second right? and before it scrolls off the page. And right, so you're, right. you're really just wasting, um, you know, a tag on that. So are the, you more of a fan of a, of a, how would I say this, a niche uh, tag that like gets to 10,000 people and maybe stays a little bit longer in that specific feed? Or versus going for something like, you know, hashtag dogs, which is going to get lost in a second. Well, I, you know, I would put, I would put a dog one on if I do a dog comic. But yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be seen by, well, you know, is it's, it's a more popular tag. So it's going to scroll off the page faster. Yeah. But maybe more people see it per second second kind of thing so it's kind of give and take but i think you want to cover your bases and have some popular things and some less popular things well okay so you said three methods so one is if if we tag julie and sorry julie we keep tagging you um (laughs) and the other one is in uh, hashtags and then what was the third one that you were going to mention um well another way is um there's lots of accounts on instagram um, specifically for comics, where they repost comics. Um, Instagram doesn't have a built-in, um, like Twitter, you can't, like on Twitter, you can retweet something. Mm-hmm. There's no built-in uh, way to repost something on Instagram. Right. And so um, there's accounts where all they do is they repost comics, and so they need to um, uh, do a screenshot of your comic, and then they post it on their account, and they, um, they carefully crop out any uh, identifying information. <laughs> there, you, there, there are people that it. do that, but that's not as common as it was five, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there, there's, there's ones that are are more friendly to cartoonists, and so you want to be friendly to them and help them out. Um, and so, uh, which ones are these? Which ones should well, I be looking at? Well, so for, first of all, um, what. What helps them is um, you'll notice that uh, in my comics, I do panel by panel swipe, but then I also post the entire comic in a single image. I've been dying to ask you why you do that. (laughs) And that is for people who want to share your comic. Um, Uh uh, Some people are going to screenshot that and they're going to text it to a friend. Right. Um, Some people are going to screenshot that screenshot it and they're going to put it on Facebook or on Twitter. You know, the Instagram is going to be their source where they saw the comic for the first time and they're going to spread it around. But also these larger accounts that accounts that share comics, um, they're going to take that screenshot and post it there. Um, uh, And so you want to help them out. Um, You know, if they, if they really like your comic, I guess some some of them have that's just their style is the only post single images, um, right? Uh, you know, so it's more work for them if they're going to post a four panel panel by panel. They got to do four screenshots and crop it four times, etc. Um, 
And so that's another way that you can get readers is by making your comic more shareable. Gotcha. Okay. Well, and then one other thing, my my wife's uh, when I remember that when they were launching one of her TV shows, the the social media team sat her down and they're like, "All right, so now Instagram, you got to go between eight a.m. and ten a.m." Have you found any at all uh, correlation to that? That there is a time of day that's really great for Instagram. Um, what I found is that if you post at the same time each day, oh, you start oh. to. Um, you cultivate an audience that is on Instagram at whatever that time is. That's interesting. I would not have thought that, mainly because I'm a moron and can't keep to a schedule. <laughs> That's interesting. So, Chris, you're telling me I need to start structuring my life. All right. Good point. Good note from Chris. We're going to we're gonna internalize that one. <laughs> so, you know, that really dovetails with something that happened to me recently. I've seen more growth in the past two weeks than I have probably in the past 40 weeks. And the main so, reason... So, Brad, you're going to want to control your carbs. And what you're going to want to do is... <laughs> yeah, well, just... I've definitely had that kind <laughs> take, of growth, take too. Take a little time midday to just go for a mile walk, maybe a mile and a half. Doesn't need to go be big pace, but that, those little changes that you make every day, that's going to cut down on your growth, Brad. You're going to find that that yeah. uh, you'll get to where you need to be. Yeah, my doctor told me I needed just to get a little water <laughs> and you get out in the sunshine once in a while. He says, you're like a house plant, with, but with complicated emotions. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I totally derailed your lovely point. Go ahead. So you've been seeing some growth. All right. <laughs> so, growth and the main part of that is because i've got an assistant now and she's setting up all of my uh social media posts in advance on like later.com and tweet deck and so forth and of course she wants to know what time should i uh schedule these for and it's it's much easier for me to just look at her actually we've got it set up in wonderlist i just say okay uh, post these at nine o'clock post these at 11 30 uh, you know and so she's got certain things that go out at nine o'clock. And those have been like the Instagram posts and then 1130, right. the tweets, and then maybe late night for, uh, after dark on Twitter and this and that. And it's really, um, it, I've seen really steady growth and about the only change has been, I've been posting much more consistently. That's one thing that Chris told me way back in the day. He says, you got to post every day, every day, every day. And I'd been doing that. And then I've been posting uh, at the at the same time. So I'm kind of cultivating those same people over and over. I, I, I can I can co-sign that. Yeah. 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 So what, what we understand from how the current Instagram algorithm works is um, when people interact with your post by either liking it or um, leaving a comment that tells Instagram that that reader wants to see more of um, that content. Mm -hmm. And so as you start to build up a, a, a rhythm and they're hitting like multiple days in a row, um, it's, it's, you know, snowballs. And so that your stuff comes up higher um, in their list each day. Right. And, you know, then they're more likely to, to like it because they're yeah, seeing it's interesting it more how often. The, the algorithm definitely rewards success. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. If you have one that really hits big, you have a continuing wake in the algorithm for about a week afterward, I've noticed, where mm -hmm. you're, you're clearly being seen by more people, uh, even if the, the follow-up cartoons are just as strong as your normal ones. But because you're still in the algorithmic wake of a really successful one, 
uh, it kind of pushes you up on all sorts of different feeds, both publicly and in people's individual feeds. Don't you find that, Chris? Yeah. And um, another thing you can do, well, people in our situation um, with a large um, backlog of comics is you can post twice a day. Mm-hmm. And, and how, do you, doing... how do you manage that, Chris? Uh, what do you mean? Are you making a new comic every day or are you pulling from the archives? I'm doing both. And exactly. So I post, um, and then some days something comes up and I'm posting, uh, I'm doing reposts um, twice a day. And right. And do you find, but do you honestly find that a second one helps you out in overall audience growth and retention? Well, that, that... So here's, here's the thing. When you, when you do any single post, is not going to be seen by everybody that follows you. Right. Not everybody looks at Instagram every day or not everybody scrolls far enough to see your comic that day. Um, uh, um, You know, if you're only posting at eight o'clock in the morning, um, you're not catching people who live in other parts of the world, which used to not be back in the day of advertising. It was all U.S. centric. Right. Um, and so people in other parts of the world were not as valuable of a reader. Um, but uh, someone in the UK or Australia or India can support you on Patreon just as well as someone in the United States. Right. Absolutely. Um, well, one thing that I've seen you do to uh, at least from a third party perspective to great effect has been to sell an advertorial or advertising space on the last tile of your Instagram stories or on the last tile of your Instagram posts. And I've always thought, well, well, that isn't that clever. You're not waiting for a large company to come to you. You'll sell to smaller and usually fellow cartoonists or artists on that last panel. And I just, I have always thought that that was very clever and, and good on you for doing it. It was sort of, um, born from from readers it was kind of a reader's suggestion at first Mm -hmm. um where they just said you know hey why aren't you doing uh why aren't you selling promos and you know because they're they're not just following small-time cartoonists they're also following celebrities who have big endorsements right and i was like yeah sure as soon as you know coca-cola calls me up no problem um, I'll start. I'll start selling ads to Coca Cola, um, but then I it, I realized you know why not um, sell it more like a classified ad mm-hmm. and sell it to the people who are reading um, the comic already and um, and so I put an ad saying hey you can buy an ad <laughs> yeah, so right, I made my right. own ad saying hey come on buy an ad and then and it just sort of snowballed from there. That's great. And it, I, I can say from personal experience, uh, Chris did that for me uh, out of kindness uh, one time. And uh, I got really great results from it. It was it, I, I was really surprised, to be honest with you, how uh, effective really it was. Yeah, so, Brad, you're saying you got you got uh, some great growth by hanging out with Chris. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that could be read like five ways. I'm gonna back off of that statement. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to twist it and use growth and the like the way you'd talk about like a mole or something. I just haven't come up with it yet. You you gotta give me a couple seconds. Uh, but while I'm thinking about a a clever retort, I I'm dying to ask this. As long as we've got Chris, we're just gonna pepper you with Instagram questions. I think because it's because it's something right. that that we both are so. I'm going to say it, Dave, uh, seething with jealousy (laughs) over how well you're doing. Uh, I just want to, I want to scoop up everything I can. Uh, So I was posting one day and somebody, some like rando says, you're not using enough hashtags. You got to have about 30 hashtags. And I thought, ah, do I really 30 hashtags? Yeah, By the way, that sil- rando was me, wasn't it, Brad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen. You know, yeah, because I, at the end of the at the end of the uh, direct message, it just said hashtag growth. But, uh, <laughs> I, it's, Chris, it's just me using one of my sock puppets to tell Brad what I want to tell him anyway. <laughs> so, Chris, what do you think of it? Should I, be, should, I, should I be aiming for 30 hashtags? I think 30, the reason they said 30 is that's the limit. Yeah. And there, and so I guess some people, that's their opinion of you know why not use the maximum. Um, I've never used that many because mm-hmm. after I don't know what I what I currently have ten or twelve, and I think after just in our uh, niche of comics, um, I don't think there's a good um, thirty hashtags to use. Yeah, right. Um, but I mean, you know, and anybody who's listening to this, feel free to just go look at my comics and see see what I have, yeah, um, and try try some of those um, on yours. Well, let me ask both of you because I think this is appropriate for all of us on many different platforms. Uh, I have noticed that even when I'm posting to Brad's point consistently, and even mm-hmm. when I'm putting up uh, both new and old work and and stuff that I think is really strong, uh, algorithmically, I have noticed that sometimes for unwarranted reasons, I will have a tremendous amount of growth on Instagram. And then for similarly unwarranted reasons, I will freeze for a couple of weeks. Um, have either of you noticed that, that almost algorithmically you are either not throttled, but that, that your growth is unexpectedly large for reasons that you can't quite fathom. And then others, it's unexpectedly slowed down for reasons you can't quite fathom. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And oh, really? be- because there's because there's no um, like we were saying before, there's no native, um, you know, reposting since everything has to be, um, you know, by hand reposted. Right. Um, there's no natural way to see where, you know, some, you know, million plus account could be linking to you. But unless somebody tells you, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, there's no because you're not it's not like you're necessarily going to um to see it as you would on Twitter. Right. Uh so is that what you think is happening? You don't think that every once in a while they tinker with the algorithm and you're like, "Huh, well now I'm suddenly slowed down a little bit. I don't know I don't know why." I'm sure I'm really sure they control. tinker with the algorithm daily. And what what usually what it usually is or what I usually do is if um I'm seeing a slowdown and I can't figure out why I can't, you know, what am I doing? Did I change my hashtags? Am I posting at a different time? Um, um, I ask uh, my other friends on Instagram, you know, how have you been doing this week? And if we are all down at the same time, okay, Instagram's doing something weird. We just have to wait it out. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. 
which yeah. which has actually happened, which has happened this past this past week. This exact thing has happened. Is that right? Yeah, it's it just kind of slowed down a bit, and I'm asking my friends, and it's slowed down for everybody. So I'm like, all right, well, just wait till next week. Yeah. Yeah, and all you can do in those situations, Chris, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, all you can do is just keep to your schedule and keep posting and uh, right. yeah. and wait for things to bounce back. Um, but uh, I, it's interesting that you have had that happen too. Um, Brad, uh, when it happens, and it sounds like it hasn't happened to you yet, but when it happens, it's sort of weird because you'll be like, all right, another thousand people, another thousand people, another thousand people, whoop, nothing, nothing, no growth at all. This is weird. <laughs> thousand, thousand. Listen, you know how excited I was five minutes ago? It was over th- 30. I, I was getting 30 uh, a week and I'm oh. sitting there going, oh, I've got the world by the short hairs. This is amazing. Uh, the world a thousand. by the short hairs. My goodness. <laughs> I could only, I can only fantasize about a thousand. Well, Chris is uh, doing gangbusters. I mean, and and then like Chris, for you, I'm sorry we keep going on Instagram, but you know what no, it I'm is? Sorry. We are fascinated by, Brad and I are, Whenever the the industry, the career of being a cartoonist online changes and Instagram to us represents a significant enough change that we are savvy enough to know that we need to learn. And (laughs) this is a topic where you are a great teacher and it's also a topic where we need to learn on. So forgive us if we keep going back. No, it's it's funny. I tried. I first tried to get uh, other cartoonists onto Instagram in 2015 when I hit 10,000 followers and I was like, you know, guys, this might be a thing. And I tried pitching it to other people and they were like, the thing with your phone that you take pictures of your sandwiches. Really? Yeah. And, uh, it was a lot of pushback that really echoed what we heard from print cartoonists mm-hmm. trying to get them on the internet. It was the right. same sort of thing right. where they're like, no, right. I'm fine. I want to just do my thing. I don't want to learn this new, how do you get it? And you got to use your phone. I'm like, you don't have a phone. You have a phone. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I always feel like I used to think it was bad that I have this perpetual feeling of being like six months away from figuring out how this whole cartooning thing works. Um, but I think I'm now starting to see that as an advantage that I'm constantly looking at what is changing and what I should be changing. No, it's good. It's good. I mean, like I've I've referenced before, but the, um, the former CEO of GE had a great, uh, line and I always forget it and misquote it, but it's, it's something the effect of you always need to be afraid because then you're operating at peak efficiency in terms of looking for what's new, looking for what's changing, looking for how you need to operate today. And another way that I always try to mentally game out my career is if I was starting right now, would mm-hmm. I do the, all the same processes that I've been doing for the last 20 years online? And the right. answer is every once in a while, no, I actually mm-hmm. need to change things up dramatically. And you uh, and a few others on Instagram have showed me that uh, that Instagram is a, a key new part of how we can share and distribute and gain an audience online. Um, so, uh, anyway, what I, what I was leaning at in, 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 in bringing this back up again, though, is that I wanted to ask you, what is your goal with Instagram? Like, what do you seek to do? Do you seek to make money from Instagram itself? Do you seek to grow your audience to sell them books? Do you seek to grow your audience to point them to other things you want to point them to? Or is it a little bit of all of that grab bag? It's, it's, um, it's, to, it's, it's definitely audience growth and then, uh, those are people that I can then sell books to, uh, 
point to my Patreon, um, uh, sell T-shirts, that sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, okay. There were there were when I when I first um, was trying to recruit other cartoonists to Instagram, they wanted to treat it more like Twitter and have it just be a thing where they would post previews of stuff to point mm-hmm. to their website. Right. And I was like, no, 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 no. They want to read it on Instagram. Post the whole comic here on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I still so see people doing that on Twitter and I'm always like, nah, it's not the way you got to, you got to get them where they live, you know, mm-hmm. post the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's following that link. So one thing I want to talk, oh, one, I want to see what you guys think about this. So another thing I've been doing, especially since I had a long airplane trip not so long ago, and I spent a lot of time sketching where normally I would be writing, I, I, would, I just wanted to sketch really badly. And I ended up with a lot of like cartoon ideas that I had sketched out. And like all of that stuff is going to go on Patreon. And, and I've been... Uh, really uh, trying to go down the exclusive content road. But what I've been experimenting with is taking the sketches of those comics, the unfinished sketches, and posting those on Instagram. And to my amazement, I just want to see what would happen. To my amazement, those are some of my most popular uh, uh, engagement getters is these blue pencil sketches. They're not finished. In fact, the one I posted, uh, yesterday was really rough. Uh, it had a strong punchline, but it was super rough. I was like, that, do I really want to share this? And it's like, yeah, let's see what happens. Got super engagement. Uh, and, and then of course the finished product is going to end up over on Patreon as an exclusive, but I, it's what I kind of am starting to warm up about Instagram is that, it's really is a place where you can share the craft of comics where they're yeah. really interested in the art, the process, the building part of doing a comic uh, and, and posting finished work maybe isn't as important as sharing a joy of drawing is what, what are your thoughts towards that? Well, you're, I mean, they're essentially single panel comics that you're posting and that is probably the most shareable thing mm-hmm. on the internet mm-hmm. is a meme you know a single image with text yeah well and what's funny uh brad uh, to to echo your thought there is that um i recently because I, I met him at uh, emerald city comic-con and i've been uh, i was fa- taken with his art and i've been following anthony wheeler art on instagram oh, yeah and yeah. he does and i have to say it's as in a fellow cartoonist it's really compelling he does a lot of process videos on instagram of like, hey, here's what I'm drawing. And I, none of us are immune to that. I'm like drawn to it like a moth to a flame. I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> I, this is really compelling. I'm going to watch this. And, and what's fun too about Instagram is because there's lulls in every drawing and you can sort of skip ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can be like, boop, boop, boop. Oh, let's see how he's doing. Boop, boop, boop. All right, this is 10 minutes on. Let's see how this drawing is going. And uh, anyway, to, the, to your point though, Brad, I think there's a, something about Instagram that, the intimacy of seeing behind the curtain is actually really compelling on that platform. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, listen, there's one more thing I want to talk about while we've got Chris here. And that is something I've noticed you doing with an old comic of yours called Book of Biff. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who uh, don't have gray in your hair like I do, <laughs> uh, Book of Biff ran, I just went and checked this so I got it right. Uh, and I was amazed because uh, it went longer than I thought it did. 2006, all the way back to the birth of webcomics, really, 2006 to 2014, 
Okay. And they're all single panel comics, which is in Chris's wheelhouse. uh, And also incidentally, the most difficult type of comic to write hands down uh, is, is a single panel humor comic. Uh, He did it. uh, This is when he, uh, he was really kind of refining his craft, cutting his teeth and really getting good at this was book of Biff. It's, it's, it's a delight to go back and, and, and watch these now. Uh, But, you're taking that old, old stuff and now doing something that Dave and I have, have talked about on the show quite a bit, uh, using that archive to your best uh, ability. You've been reposting those. And I just wanted to ask you, how has that been going? Have you been getting a lot of good uh, engagement from that uh, stuff that goes all the way back to 2006? Well, it's it's funny how many people are, are either um, responding to it saying like, oh, I miss these. It's been so long. Um, I get a lot of people who are who think they're new. They're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see you drawing these again." I'm like, "No, these are really old." Um, but yeah, it was a, a conversation on the Comic Lab Discord, just talking about exploiting stuff that you you already have um, drawn, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a well. I mean, I have these. It's almost two thousand comics just sitting there on a hard drive, why not repost them? Yeah. Um, right. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to get over. Um, I think most artists, you know, you look back at something you drew six months ago and you're like, <laughs> kind of hard to look at. Um, right. Yeah. So I'm posting comics from 2007 right now and just going, I don't even know who this person was who wrote these. Yeah. I d- yeah. They don't even make, they don't even make sense to me. Um, let alone, you know, the syndicates I tried sending them to. Um, uh, so it's, it's interesting. Um, so when I did the math on it, I was like, okay, I can post two times a day for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of content. Yeah. (laughs) that, That adds up. And, and then we'll see what happens at the end of that two and a half years. Um, you know, does, does it not really make an impact? Or does it grow into something where at the end of that two and a half years, I would want to start drawing new ones? So it's it's kind of uh, an experiment. And frankly, you could start over again because after two and a half years, nobody's going <laughs> to no. remember any <laughs> yeah, of that stuff. Wrong. You can just start and, and start the cycle anew and nobody's ever going to know. Well, and given the fact that given the fact that uh, the average person is only going to see one fourth or one fifth of that content anyway, I think you're, it would be kind of a, a, a no fault restart anyway. Uh, but yeah, yes. Uh, and here's the thing: is that you lose nothing by trying it, right, Chris? That's sort of the beauty of Instagram. Like it's already drawn, it's already made. Why not? Exactly, why yeah. not post it up? Yeah, and there are you know there's eBooks available. I still have some old print books in my garage and stuff like that. I'm like, well, you know, I could maybe exploit you know, grow a new audience and then point them at some of that merchandise as well. So, so we'll here's see. one question that just occurred to me, and, and that is you started a new Instagram account for Book of Biff, correct? Yes. And you've got a, a Maximumble in, uh, account, you've got a Pebble and Wren account, mm-hmm. and well, uh, but wait a minute, Maximumble goes under Chris Hallback, right? Correct. So you've got Chris Hallback, uh, Pebble and Wren. Mm-hmm and book of biff why not just put all of that under chris hallback and and gain all of those views for one place um because they i think they will ultimately have uh different audiences 
Mm-hmm. Um, it would be easier for me to post it all in one place. Um, but I think they they just have different, I mean, you know, the same reason that Drive and Sheldon aren't just posted on alternate days on yeah, a single Brad. website. <laughs> well, it, I, I'm going to, I'm going to argue with you a little bit, even though no, I'm going to say immediately, you, can... you know more than I do about this, but uh, Sheldon and Drive are very, very different. Whereas Maximum... They both share a magic bar, Brad. They both share magic. <laughs> yes, they do. I don't yes, know where I'm do. going with that. Sorry. <laughs> but Maximumble and Book of Biff are, and Pebble and Wren are, all have a lot more similarity among them than Sheldon and, and Drive. No, I think, I think you, could, you could argue it either, either way. Mm-hmm. What you would have to do, though, probably, Chris, and to Brad's point, if you did do that way, you'd need to somehow um, brand the first frame of each so that you would start to differentiate a little bit within the same feed, don't you think, guys? Perhaps, yeah. Like some form of title treatment at the top or, you know, the equivalent to the swipe mark that you put on there, Chris, on your computer. There's, there's definitely, I mean, I guess in the same way that Sheldon has you know, the anatomy of animals and stuff like that, where you have different kinds of comics mixed into Sheldon. Right. It could be done that way, but I don't know. I, I, for some reason, they, they're separate in my head. Um, (laughs) Well, let me ask you, let me ask you one question for a friend of mine who does a long form sci-fi comic. Have you seen, uh, (laughs) this is totally unrelated to anything I do. Have you seen anyone use Instagram well for long form? I think Brad was about to do it, and then he started posting those sketches instead. Well, I I, <laughs> I do post like Evil Inc., which is technically long form, mm-hmm. so I do post that. Uh, and and to be fair, those are like when I go back and look at my engagement, those are some of the top engagement uh, posts that I make. Uh, overall. Like what I would what I would love Brad to do now that he has an assistant that could probably help mm-hmm. out with something like this is go back a few you know storylines mm-hmm. and break up those pages, those half pages, the way your most recent um, ones have been on Instagram and. Um, start with a start with you know storyline. Say here's here's the beginning of whatever the name of the storyline is, and then post every single day for a month. Mm. And just see what happens. And see what how that goes. Huh. The only thing. See now now I'm going to come around to Chris's side. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing about that is is that I would be worried about confusing the storyline between those archive storylines and the Evil Ink storylines and confusing well, people. It's it's um, because your your Instagram account is still so small. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can you know re- reboot it, reinvent how it's going to be. What you want to do is treat um, Instagram as a separate audience. Mm-hmm. Your goal shouldn't be for someone to read a few on Instagram and then go to your website and read the rest. Right. Right. Uh, that will happen, mm-hmm. but that shouldn't be, you shouldn't um, have that as the main goal. The main goal should just be growth on Instagram and then, you know, pitch your Patreon and your books and stuff um, yeah. periodically. Um, no, that's a great idea. But I think if you started uh, at the beginning of an arc and, you know, maybe had a, like a little cover page, so it's easy to find in the Instagram archive when you're scrolling back through the grid, mm-hmm. you know, a start here kind of thing, um, and just post those pages every single day. Um, 
it would be interesting because I don't I don't know a lot of um, more longer form comics on Instagram, and I would love to see someone like Brad succeed at it. Because mm-hmm. really, the only way, uh, if it, if you could make it work, the the reason why it would work well is you would get a ton of engagement because people would want to see every installment, you know. Mm-hmm. But the reasons why it would fail are all the ones we could imagine. Is that it would be nearly impossible to go back through the archive of Instagram and effectively read it um, page by page. Uh, if, for example, unless. you went on a big, if you went on a business trip to Des Moines and mm-hmm. you came back after fifteen days and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm missing fifteen days of Evil Inc., you have to go back, scroll down, find the comic, click on well, it. Not, unless, unless I'm going to interrupt you, unless right. you came up with a specific hashtag. That was just for your storyline. So it'd have to be, it would be, have to be a little bit long and maybe a little chewy so nobody else jumped in on it. Yeah, but like Evil Inc. and then storyline name, all one big hashtag. And then if somebody clicked, and then you could say in the read-in, if you want to read this story, go to this hashtag, which is actually what I do on Imager. If you want to read this story, go to this hashtag. And then when they click on this hashtag, the only stuff that comes up is the stuff that you've tagged because it's long and chewy and nobody else is using it. Gotcha. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Huh. I don't know. Which is actually what I do on Imager. And I don't know whether it's being effective or not, but uh, but I, but I, I do it because it's like, geez, if I'm going to post all these, I'd like somebody to be able to, if they're interested, to go back and read all of them. But yeah, I would love, I would love for Brad to crack that and be able to point people at you and say, do it, do what Brad's doing. Well, listen, consider that a challenge, because also, <laughs> when you started doing Book of Biff, uh, I started thinking Greystone Inn. <laughs> so, so, so I, I'm, listen, I'm watching what Chris is doing very, very <laughs> carefully, because I like learning from somebody who clearly knows what he's doing. And while I'm at it, I'm going to put a, a, a special thank you to Chris, because we've said uh, to our Patreon backers time and time again, what a great thing that Discord server is. And it's a, it's a wonderful community of, of cartoonists who are helping each other and sharing information and sharing encouragement and stuff. Uh, Chris is one of the more active uh, patron uh, uh, members that uh, is over there at the Comic Lab Discord server. And he takes a big, uh, uh, he takes a large amount of his time uh, sharing information, uh, sometimes, you know, hashing stuff out. Like just recently there was, I I don't want to say a disagreement, but it was a very healthy back and forth in which they were kind of coming to, uh, you know, terms on, okay, what does this mean? What does it not mean? So on and so forth. Uh, Chris is a big part of what's going on over there on discord. And, uh, and I just wanted to take this opportunity, Chris, to thank you for that. Cause I, I, I like what I see when I see, uh, people posting over. Yeah. It's a great way to feel productive when I'm failing at writing comics. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? There are worse things when you, when you've hit a lull than to be helpful in sharing with other cartoonists. God forbid <laughs> that we all try that, you know, like that's a, it's a worthwhile way to, to, to uh, vent that writing spleen to at least put it towards good use uh, in, yeah. while um, you're in a, in a down moment. I want to emphasize um, something that, uh, I think maybe I glossed over earlier when I was talking about posting twice a day because I would like Dave to try this. We were saying earlier that, you know, any single post you do, not your whole audience isn't going to see that. So like if you have um, 100,000 followers, you do one post, not all 100,000 are going to see that. Right. Um, when I first started posting twice a day, some friends of mine, their theory was that the my engagement would go down 
um, oh. that that um, my readers would only see the newest post and they wouldn't see the older one that was posted, you know, earlier in the day. Right. Um, um, but Instagram gives you some limited stats, but they give you some information to see what's actually happening. And one of them is your reach, which mm-hmm. is how many people in a day saw your posts. And so at first I was happy that, okay, my, the, two, the two individual posts seem to get the same amount of engagement, the same amount of likes, the same right. amount of comments as before. Right. I'm like, okay, well, um, but maybe it's not worth the effort because it's, I'm just, it's just flat. Just the same thing is happening. It doesn't matter if I post twice. But I looked at the reach and um, I was doing this in a lull where I was reaching only about 100,000 people a day at the time. Um, I posted twice a day. I was instantly reaching 160,000 people a day. Oh. I was not reaching the same group of people. Right. By posting a morning. I was posting in the morning and then posting like eight hours later. So your challenge to me was to start for maybe a month posting twice a day and see what happens? Yes, because then what it appears is then I started cultivating a... A group of readers who were seeing my posts at the end of the day. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, the downside for me is that I only have four thousand Sheldons in the archive, so <laughs> I, I don't have enough exactly. to to start posting on Instagram. So I'll start drawing now so that I can catch up. And uh, no, the good what I'm getting at there is that I I got the I got the the merchandise. Exactly. I can share it oh, on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, that's and, no problem. And going with, you know, uh, assuming that you're growing a brand new audience on Instagram, you know, there will be people who already know you who just like Instagram. They're like, oh, I love Dave. And here he is on Instagram. But the majority of the people that you get there are going to be brand new people who have never seen any of your comics. Boy, is that the truth? They keep asking me what the duck's name is. And I'm like, well, okay, these are clearly new people. so uh, uh, they asked me the same thing. I'd say, "Come on, that's Flacco the Duck." You would get with the program. Brad's just making up stuff. Oh, that's Steve. His name is Steve. His name is well, Steve like you're, the Duck. Like you guys were saying earlier, that the the technically the name of my comic is Maximumble, but mm-hmm. my my username on social media used to be at Book of Biff. And then when I started my second comic, I'm like, okay, I see where this is going. I should change all my usernames to at Chris Halbeck so they just know me instead of the particular title. Right. Consequently, um, I have hundreds of thousands of people on Instagram who've never even heard the word Maximumble, even though that's technically the name of the comic they're reading mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> so yeah, I run into that too. <laughs> Do you have a website? I'm like, yeah, Maximumble.com. And they're like, what even is that word? Oh right. God. I oh. get that with the shell with the phrase Sheldon or the word Sheldon uh, when I post on Instagram. The, you know, I have far less. I only have 30, whatever, 38,000 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But most of those people are new and they don't know the word Sheldon that is the comic strip. They think of it as the Dave Kellett comic. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know? It's yeah. Dave Kellett, the cartoonist. Yeah. I get the same thing when I use the word Brad Geiger. <laughs> they're like who, who? I, I, around the this, house is this <laughs> and these are my kids but listen ladies and gentlemen i wanted to thank our guest for this week uh chris Halbeck, and you can check him out uh you can you can see him frequently on the comic lab discord server but even more importantly check out chris's work over on instagram it's at chris Halbeck 
And that's C-H-R-I-S-H-A-L-L-B-E-C-K. You can read Maximumble, Pebble and Wren, which is a delight, and his classic stuff, Book of Biff. And I just want to take the, uh, a moment and say, Chris, thank you so much for being our special guest this week. Thanks, guys. It was great. And on that note, you've been listening to Comic Lab, the show about making comics and making a living from comics. Your hosts have been Brad Geiger, the editor of webcomics.com and the cartoonist of Evil Inc. at evil-comic.com. And Dave Kellett, the co-director of Stripped and the cartoonist of Sheldon at sheldoncomics.com and Drive at drivecomic.com. Don't forget to check out his Kickstarter, newsheldonbook.com. And don't forget, if you are a member at the $5 level of the Patreon on May 20th, I'm giving you a yeah. free copy of my Eisner-nominated uh, book, uh, Literature. So check that out on May 20th. Get in on the $5 level. Try it out, and uh, you are definitely going to like it. And on that note, the Comic Lab theme song is used with permission from Andy Creighton at theworldrecord.net. And this episode was edited by Matt Woodard of Woodsong Productions at www.woodsong.media. Comic Lab is made possible by your support at patreon.com slash comic lab. So we're going to go ahead and say that twice. Patreon.com slash comic lab. 